There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit Toyota toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more. ¿Qué tal amigos? Mi nombre es Roman Rojas y Tremenda Vaina es el podcast donde te contamos cuatro historias que desafían la realidad. De las cuatro historias solamente una es mentira. ¿Cuál será? En el último episodio de Tremenda Vaina te contamos de un muchacho en China que vendió una parte de su cuerpo para comprarse un iPad. ¿Será verdad? ¿Será mentira? Suscríbete en iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify o tu plataforma favorita. También nos puedes seguir en Twitter, Instagram o Facebook. All right, you guys, now it is time. You guys know it's the time of the show where we interview someone amazing. Amazing. Ooh. And this feels like, I don't know, me siento en casa because there's a lot of uptown love right now. She's like from everywhere. I can't wait to get into interviewing her, but please put your hands together for DJ Muse and creative instigator, Venus Equis. Hello. Do we throw up an X? Like, <laughs> what do we, how do we salute? Oh, oh, X tonight. <laughs> yeah. do like a V, X, V, X. X. I'm like a cheerleader. I'm a high school cheerleader. So, you know, just... We have, we yeah. have high e expectations of this interview. So. Oh! oh. 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 <laughs> that was good. Any, anything else, Jamie? Or no, okay. I don't want to. Once I start, I wouldn't, I won't stop. So let's leave it at that. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Girl, welcome to the show. Thank you guys I mean, for having me. This is awesome. Thank you so much for responding to our outreach. And like, I think we just got to get into it. First of all, your background is beautiful. At first glimpse, one would think it's a virtual background with the beautiful, like white and the, I could see how beautiful, like, or how clear the oxygen is behind you from the plants. <laughs> That's really nice. Um, but so you are a DJ muse and in your bio, it says creative instigator. That is so alluring. Could you elaborate on that for our listeners? What does mm. it, all that mean? Together? I mean, take it how you will. Basically, you know, a lot of people love me. A lot of people hate me. It's a very polarizing experience. <laughs> mm. Um, Let's discuss. <laughs> when, we were, when we were developing, you know, the bio and all that, I kind of let it rock, even though obviously it's not um, it's not the sweetest thing to say about somebody. But I feel like, you know, when you are a woman, a Latina woman, especially coming from where I come from, I feel like I learned how to instigate at the dinner table. So Ooh. I'm going to hold on to the title because it cost me a lot to be here today and to have the views and to have the trajectory that I've had. Um, coming from a Dominican household, 
nobody wanted me to be a DJ. Nobody wanted me to take on all these issues on my back um, that I did, be they, you know, creative arts through, you know, advocating for my own sexuality and other people's in my community, as well as just, you know, the the complexity of politics, just talking about spirituality and religion, you know, it's like all these things are taboo. So yeah, I'm a creative instigator because at the end of the day, I'm not just trying to make trouble. I'm trying to do my job and DJ, but the brand is extremely controversial. Mm. Well, <laughs> we, we have to take apart some of these layers. We have a lot of unpacking to do. I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> You rep it hard for Uptown. And and first off the bat, I have to just compliment and give you a, a nice salute for being a female in this business, which is dominated by men, which yeah. we know, obviously. So, so. Could you talk a little bit about man- just like how you maneuver? Well, I mean, realistically, um, I had to leave you know, my roots uptown and go to Brooklyn to pursue this career. I Brooklyn born and bred, just saying, but I rep uptown. Okay. Yeah, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of um, supportive Dominican, Puerto Rican, Colombian communities outside of uptown. Dominicans uptown yes. are very, very short-sighted. And mm-hmm. so when I started, I guess, according to my mother, while and out, they wasn't <laughs> happening up there. You know what I mean? I'm like, why you want to you want to be goth you want to get tattoos you want to like you know be bisexual you want to claim it like why are you doing all this stuff and i'm like it's not that serious if you go to brooklyn take that take the out train see what happens you know so yeah, but brooklyn from uptown is like a trip that's like that's like saying you're going on vacation and shit like i'm gonna go to brooklyn for like two days like you need a passport to get to brooklyn from uptown Right, but you know, it was a cool thing to, um, my journey is very complicated because I grew up, I was born in Harlem and I grew up in Dykeman and Gun Hill, but Mm -hmm. I moved to New Jersey when I was about 13 and I went to school in Elizabeth for high school and then I came back to the city for college. So by the time I came back to the city, I noticed that as much as I love uptown, I was being, um, I was being stifled. So um, thankfully, you know, good old Sally Mae allowed for me to get lots of student predatory loans and go to school downtown. (laughs) (laughs) Such a cunt, but you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, So I did the downtown thing and I started noticing that there was um, other Latinos and I really didn't, I didn't really know a lot of other Latinos. I grew up very much, even though I'm half Ecuadorian, I didn't grow up with that side of the family. So I don't really know that you know like the mexicans they have a hardcore punk and goth and rock scene and when i went to mexico city for the first time i was like oh my god like they're more goth than like the white people in brooklyn (laughs) what school by the way what school did you go to before i forget to ask you because you said you went downtown i went to the new school but i didn't finish okay no but that's okay i got caught up with the djing but it was good because i got to study art you know um when i was there at first, I went to another school and I, I was studying to be a doctor and, you know, my mother's wishes, full ride, all that stuff. And then I transferred to new school. I started studying art and um, I was able to put all that knowledge into music um, and into the spaces that I was building. But I knew that it was no way I was going to get away with building this uptown. So I was getting empty warehouses with my friends and we were bringing together communities of other Caribbean kids from like the West Indies, and as well as like Colombians, um, Puerto Ricans. And it was just 
you know, the very New York downtown club experience where you, you know, it's like everything that we had learned, I guess, through movies and stuff, like the tunnel and limelight. Like, where's yeah. the diversity? Like, where's the outfits and the music? And so since it didn't exist, I was like, I guess we're going to have to make it. But we were young and we really thought we could make it. And we did. So it was bomb because early on, because of me taking that risk to say, okay, I'm comfortable uptown, but I feel like I need to do this amongst my peers that I'm going to school with. And I need to look outside of the box of what, because if I go by the Dominican code, I should be married right out of college. If I even go to college, I should, you know, my cousins are having babies. Mm. Already. Like, you know what I mean? Everything is about men, men, men focus on men. And, you know, if I brought up sexuality, everybody's like, why do you have to talk about that? It's going to pass. And it's like, okay, really? Like, so you experience it too? Like, it's taboo. <laughs> right? And it's like, nah, there's, there's, there's like fully functioning Dominican lesbians in the world, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, also, let me figure it out on my own time. But um, like I said, with the grace of you know God and and the journey that was provided for me, I was able to connect with so many people from you know, the diaspora, really. And then we created, you know, a great audience, I guess, that was able to support different things from music and the parties through fashion. We were able to attract people like MIA and Diplo very early on to our parties. Like, you know, I was only DJ for like a year. And then wow. and then I had all these celebrities there. And within a few years, they were inviting me to open for them. They were inviting me to, to DJ with them on tour, to sing backup for them, to go into the studio and work with them. So... You know, I just have to say, like, you know, as much as I obviously love where I come from, I mean, look, Dembo is still trying to break in to the mm. stream. So, and Latin music is at the top right now. So it just says a lot about Dominicans. Dominicans don't always support, you know, new ideas and they don't support um, controversial um, ideas like, you know, that, that don't include God and don't include heteronormativity and so don't, and don't include a certain type of style. Um, they're kind of opposed to a lot of things as cool as Dominicans are. They're very mm. narrow-minded. So yeah, I'm, I'm very blessed that, you know, I did what I had to do and I wasn't afraid to sign those, those student loans and just no. move on. <laughs> And, you know, eventually my circle did come full and I did end up DJing La Marina many times and I did end up oh, DJing sure. In the end, you know, it worked out because by the time I got back, they were like, oh, you're a legend. And I'm like, I guess, sure. Oh, <laughs> oh my, hello. What? So yes, that too. How did you even get uh, the, you know, um, the urge to to want to become a DJ? And how were you honing your craft during that time? To be completely honest, I saw so many guys doing it and I was like, they're drunk and they don't know what they're doing. Mm. And I, consistently enough that I was like, can one of y'all teach me? And, um, and then somebody taught me and then I just kept going and I started to, I got really distracted from school and um, I just started DJing like 10 hours a day in my house. Wow. Okay. I was going ham and then I kind of you know I, I was like I think this is what I need to do right now and that was it my senior year in, in college I just kind of like abandoned my studies and became obsessed wow what was fascinating you, and I was a day were you in an apartment because I then I feel bad for your neighbors <laughs> I was in an apartment <laughs> I was living in Brooklyn at the time I had roommates thankfully 
you know, I didn't, I couldn't afford big speakers, so it was good. You like, I'm gonna make you mix, I'm gonna make you mix, you're not that old, mixtapes. I'm gonna make you mix CDs or something like that, uh, as long as you can. I used to DJ on CDs, I am that old, I'm 34. Okay, good, so you started with CDJs, is that where it started? I still have CDJs, guys. I love CDJs. I don't yeah. use a laptop. I mean, I can if I have to, but I prefer not to. I'm very into touching and tactile, you know, DJing. I, I feel like, you know, in the clubs, in the hookah, bottle service clubs, people only DJ on laptops. But when you go to Europe and you see these festivals where people are getting paid $10,000 to $100,000 for one hour of DJing, they're DJing on CDJs. So mm. I think we just have to be realistic about the spectrum of, you know, that art is not just to make a quick 150, 250, 500 and play the same 25 songs. So that's the beauty of what I was able to get, you know, by leaving uptown and by leaving my own family, um, you know, hub or like my community was that I learned, OK, this is how the Europeans do it. This is how, at that time, there was no Serato. So I did have to learn on CDs um, because that was all there was. But mm. by the time there was Serato, I was already like, nah, these white people are getting paid a lot of money and they're not DJing no damn, you know, bomb and fucking whatever. <laughs> like the same songs as High 97. And, you know, they're playing a lot of different remixes. They're mixing a lot of different stuff. So what I did was I joined the two together and I said, let me play what I hear uptown and on the radio with what I'm hearing over here in the electronic scene and in the techno scene. And in there's so many genres, you know, yeah, that we don't even talk about. So by merging all of that together, that's why I think I had a lot of success young and people were like, yo, we got to hire her. We got to hire her. Even though I wasn't really, I wasn't putting out music. I wasn't putting out mixes like that. I was doing them here and there, but people were definitely word of mouth hiring because they were just like, yo, you're going to play like some random hard techno shit. And then you're going to play like some new Dembo that nobody knows about. Yeah. Who does that? And I'm like, <laughs> me. <laughs> yes, girl. Yes. Um, I what I really admire and love about your career trajectory, and we often see this with other guests on LOL, is when like they marry two different you know walks of life. You know what I'm saying? So you are uh, or took your love for DJing, music, and passion, and somehow peppered in the Museum of Modern Art, mm. where you became a curator for festivals. So yeah. first of all, that must have made mama proud. I mean, come on, that should, that should have made the whole family super I mean, proud. I mean, I hope she's proud, but you know how Dominican mothers are. If you're not a doctor or a lawyer, they're, they're, proud, they're not going to tell you. They're like, do you have a husband? Do you have a baby? Mm. <laughs> Talk to us about that merger and how that notch in your career even came about, because I know it's going to inspire our listeners. That was one of the long-term relationships, you know, that really evolved over time because MoMA started hiring me very early in my career, maybe like around 2011, 12, 11. No, they actually hired me in 2010, a year into me DJing. They were like, yo, you got to open up the festival. Wow. wow. And I was like, okay, I will. And I took that early slot when nobody was there and I opened and then 
you know, the year after that, they had me do something at the actual museum, like a big, you know, gala or something, you know, with some white boys, like a band. And, and it was me and I invited my boy and we DJ together. Um, and um, then from there, they kept hiring me here and there to do things. And then within a few years, they were like, yo, we want to ask you if you would be one of the curators uh, for the series. You know, this is one of the, the primary um, programs at PS1 which is obviously mm. the, the, the little hub. Huge, Mama. Right. huge, no, huge. Right, right. right. Yeah. People travel from all over the world to go there. Yes. So I was really, um, I was really taken aback and I was appreciative because, you know, to go from opening up on a concert stage when nobody is there, literally the first lot at 3 p.m. or 2 p.m. or whatever, and then to go to being the curator within five years or less, I mean, beyond um so it just goes to show you that like you know you got to be humble because if I had waited and said nah I don't want to play till I'm headlining or nah you know they don't this is not the right opportunity because you know art museums aren't cool the reality is that artists gave me a lot of my first big breaks you know I, I have DJed for Murakami I have DJed for Damien Hirst I have DJed for many big museums around the world everything from like you know museums in like la portland milan in italy and yeah. I mean, even in beirut in lebanon like you know people fly me around but you have you really have to trust when people see the magic you know whatever your magic is you you just gotta you gotta like and I, and I don't know why people don't do this more often they always like no i need more bread or i need to be the top of the bill and it's like bro you don't know what this is going to lead to so i knew early on that the moma wasn't just bringing dominican girls into dj or dominican people period you know so for them to have me on that team for two years um and for them to see the impact that i brought because i brought a new community i brought a new sense of curation there they were not thinking about the lineup the way that i was i was trying to get uptown to queens i was trying to get look at that Mm. love that they saw, they saw a revival of their program and a concert that is weekly that's like five thousand people that's not easy that's like you know almost fifty thousand people fifty thousand tickets that you have to wow. sell so you know after 20 years it was lacking and it was very white so mm -hmm. um i just say yeah like I'm, i'm grateful that i had the opportunity to grow with them and to You know, just to to make that imprint for our people because we don't even be going to museums. Like my cousin works the security at the MoMA. Like literally. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I've, I've been going to the the wrong museums because like where's I don't where are the DJs at when I go to the museum? I'm looking at like dinosaur exhibits, and I'm like, yo, I could use like some cool music right now to listen I'm to. Like, that's what it is. I feel like it, it kind of changed even by them bringing me in. It kind of changed the way that they started booking the events at museums because they started bringing in people like me, you know, brown girls and brown boys and like alternative, you know, sounds into the space where normally white people would be occupying these jobs and these, these, um, these slots, whether it's performance or curation, it would usually always be white people. And then sometimes they have the diversity black hire, but they don't really include Latinos on a regular basis in the conversation in a musical sense. Like they might include us ethnically, but they're not going to include us in the sense that, yeah, we want y'all to play your music here. We want to have Latinos on the lineup. Like when I was there, we had Cardi B, you know what I'm saying? And like, it was a team effort, but Dope. there were other 
there were other places where I tried to book Cardi and they were like, no, that's too ghetto. You know what I mean? So it was like, Mm-mm. you know, the combination of having a Dominican curator and a Dominican headliner, it's just like, you know, that you have to do it because it's just and like, if you don't go, if you don't take that first step, then it's going to be a lot harder for the people behind you. So yeah. when you, when you, um, you know, design like a curate, like a playlist or, uh, or, you know, or conceptualize something for like something like the museum or like a fashion week show. How different is that than just uh, building a show, a, a regular kind of, you know, random DJ set at like, you know, totally. in, in, in a bar or a lounge or something like that. Totally different. So when I DJ in the club, depending on the audience, um, I am going to typically want to make people dance. And so my job is, is, is like dance first, think second you know what i'm saying like that's my life motto that's my life motto <laughs> exactly so it's tattooed on his butt <laughs> venus i've seen it and Dance that first, was my accident oh. it was an accidental <laughs> like front I you think, know i think that that in inherently you know there is the difference because when you're sitting watching a fashion show you're thinking and looking you know you're looking first you're thinking second so it's like you want people to look with their ears. It's a lot about sound effects. It's a lot about emotions. It's a lot about, you know, um, things that maybe could never work in the club, that you could isolate, you know, one sample of a song that you might hear in the club, but then you take that one loop and you just go ham and you start changing the speed and you start changing the volume and the pitch and you're fucking with it and it's just a whole different thing now. It's art, you know? So I look at it like that. The club is is more of um, a space to bring people together and, uh, and and you have to find the familiar thread, you know, so that people feel like, okay, I might meet my husband here tonight. Like I might go home with somebody. I want to <laughs> the stranger or I want to get open. And like, I don't want to feel like, you know, like the rigidity of my life and the stress and shit. I want to let go. But when you're in that, that pasarela, like you need to make them be like, <gasps> Wow, like the clothes, like the clothes are usually boring compared to the music. <laughs> the music be for me, the music is bringing the clothes to life. So, yo, I gotta say, like, there's many DJs in my life, girl. I married one, his whole clique. <laughs> you know, I've been the DJ's girl, I've been carrying crates for years. Um, <laughs> you, too, without, you know, behind every great DJ is the great wifey. Holding oh, it down, taking requests, not taking requests. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I, yeah, I lived that life, but then we had kids and stuff, and I was like, I can't be doing this. I can't be rolling, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, I have to just really like, you know amplify the fact that DJs are conduits like DJs are so vital to our culture to music fashion like we're mentioning just a few pillars of the influence but they are truly conduits and influencers before the whole term influencer I think even really started absolutely so you know the power that the DJ holds and we're very close to like organizations like the Latin Mix you know Latin Mix Awards we've had pills on the show like you know the Latin DJ is even more important because you know there there's like I said you're the conduit informa- of information what we should be listening to so I want to know like you know how it feels to have that kind of power how you put it to use because it sounds like you're on a different echelon here so I want to hear more I about am, you know I appreciate you um 
asking that question because a lot of people think that it's just a trade. You know, it's like like how they think they could just go to H&M and buy a shirt and it's going to be the same quality of shirt that they're going to get on Fifth Avenue at a atelier or, you know, at a at a big, you know, fashion house. And then they're like, oh, no, but it's the same. It's the same if you don't study the craft, if you don't know what you're wearing, if you don't know what you're, how you're moving or how it's affecting the world. Because at the end of the day, we could sit here right now and make a song, but it's not going to be the same as if we respect the kids that have been working on this for 10 years and they've been going, you know, trying to find their sound and they learned instruments and they became, you know, digitized. And then now all of a sudden they're going viral off that one hit. And it's like, just cause you got a viral hit, just cause you got a job in a club does not make you a DJ, does not make you an artist. You know, we have to take this stuff seriously because at the end of the day, where does it all come from? You know what I'm saying? It's the drums. So mm. look at what you have behind you. A whole band, yeah. a guira, and an accordion, and drums, and the to. And, like, people forget that, like, without that, there's no moder modern sound. There's no reggaeton. There's no dembow. There's no merengue. There's no salsa. There's none of that. So, you know, where does all of that originate? It originates us sitting around the fire, like, literally, mm. like, with a shaman, like, leading us through an experience, usually, that has to do either with liquor or drugs, you know, not liquor, how we know it now, spirits, you know, mm. spirits, and then you think about music, muse, it's a form of inspiration, you know, it's like, mm. it's like the science of inspiration, you're supposed to conjure up the spirits in people, and you're supposed to lead them on a journey of self-exploration, of healing, of transformation, you know, of of like, um, uh, like really it's religious, you know? People have just completely lost it because we're living in the most capitalist period ever, which, mm. you know, none of us are gonna get, none of us are gonna stop that from happening. But I think that that's how people often say like, I could do what you do. And it's like, but you're not gonna do it with the same level of care that I am. So when I'm gonna mix some crazy, um, you know, palo rhythms with Nicki Minaj. Trust me, I know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm mm. not doing that just to be like, <laughs> whenever I'm so cool. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I'm doing that because I'm trying to wake up something inside of you and I'm trying to remind you that, yeah, we love you, you know, whatever. I was on the train with the Wayne and then you want to hear some other shit that mixes in that just takes you to like your ancestry. You know what I'm saying? Like, so. You know, people, like I said, they want to do what they want to do, whether it comes to fashion, whether it comes to art, whether it comes to music, all this stuff has very, very deep origin with our ancestors and our indigenous, you know, um, like bloodline. And so to each their own, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I love to get down too. you know, I love, you know, the craziest music that there is out there because I am just as, I guess, current as anybody else. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I grew up in a household where people were praying all the damn time. There was mad altars and Santeria and, you know, you're not allowed to ask questions, but it's like, you know, what are we going to do? We're just going to, all of a sudden, we're just going to only play reggaeton and dembo and we're going to forget about Perico Ripiao and Bachata and all these other instruments and genres that have been the formation of like our culture. Like, no. So I don't know. I just think that like, I don't judge other people. A lot of people just want to make money. And I think you can make money, but you can still be 
an artist as well as, you know, be somebody who is keeping your culture alive, which we have so much culture that's being erased like every day as our ancestors die, especially mm. like our elders, because they don't like to talk. So I'm like, the only thing we have is music and dance to keep it, you know, like in yeah. us. So. Right. And part of your responsibility is to keep it going. You know what I'm saying? I mean, absolutely. The older I get, the more I'm like, oh, who wants to start like a pericoripiao band? <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, but it's just because you're like, damn, my grandma is not going to explain this shit to me. Like, I, I, it's in your blood, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's like we're having this conversation here, but hundreds of years ago, we would have just been having it in the jungle, sitting around a fire, like having it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Same shit. You were mentioning fashion. I kind of, I kind of wanted to drive the conversation to like the fashion realm i mean is it fair to say that you kind of you've you've like perfected kind of like a goth hood look so to speak that's what they say about me you know some days i'm ghetto gothic and some days i'm just wearing free clothes baby but that's what, so, so my main question is when where does, yes. where, where does your where does your fashion inspiration come from my fashion inspiration definitely came a lot from growing up in the 90s and um Seeing, you know, everything from you remember that girl in Tu Pum Pum, Mami Mami No Man. Oh my god, yes. Wait, you used to go in on that song. You don't understand. I still do. What do you mean used to? What do you mean used to? Right. I work out to it. No, no me trates de engañar. Her outfit totally inspired like my whole energy. Like that vinyl, that vinyl and them thigh high boots. I was like, yo, yeah. me that when I grew up. But people, you know, people kind of sleep on like, you know, the combination of it all. It's like, it's not quite God, it's not quite hood, but it's like, it's very, it's, it's sophisticated. Like I grew up, you know, listening to Oro Solido. They were all wearing suits. Oro Solido. Oro who? Y otra vez. Y otra vez. Otra vez. Dominicans still wild out over that shit. They just can't. You gotta say the whole thing. Look at that and you're like, okay, these guys are like singing about La Tanguita Roja, but they all have suits. <laughs> so classy but not exactly so i'm like how can i merge this person that i am you know what i mean like you know my dominican titi gave me dalia cd and i loved her style but i'm also like you know uh, uh gold earrings and hoops and curly hair mm. girl to the death of me and i love me you know some calice and some i don't know like Oh, I, I love all the vibes that we were giving. And I think that like, it, you know, it, it behooves us to not do what everybody else is doing if we want to stand out and make a statement. So I think I just had a lot of that rebellious energy after all those years. I went to Catholic school. Oh, hey, Catholic school. <laughs> I had a lot of pent up frustration when it came to my personal style and you know, I went to church every Sunday. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was all that stuff. What? Oh, I wasn't really allowed to wild out. And then I was like, Man, that, those <laughs> Sunday school needed a DJ. Right? <laughs> if there's a place that needs a DJ, like like church has a DJ, like you'll be like, oh. That's like next level stuff right there. A church That's DJ? What? <laughs> you would pack the house. When I say Jesus, you say Christ. Jesus well, Venus, Venus, you were in limelight, man. That was the church back in the 90s, man. Oh, oh my God. The most sacrilegious club of the 90s. Let's talk the about it. Right. So you, I, 
I, I we talk about 90s club life all the time. I'm so glad we're on like the same playing field here. Like I love it. I never got to go to Limelight, but I went to Exit. Okay, Club Exit, of course. You said yes. tunnel. Uh, the tunnel also. I didn't go to the tunnel, but I heard about it. The my stories mom, of the tunnel, right? Yes. Yeah, my mom and my dad met at the Palladium. So. Oh my God! Stop it! That's where I met my husband and my oh mom. Oh my Lord! Oh no! <laughs> Are you kidding? Yes, that's where I met my husband at the Palladium. That's I was crazy. clubbing. I was sixteen. Clubbing mad underage. Uh, but don't worry, there was nothing, you know, statutory rapey about our relationship. We didn't really hook up until I was 19. Um, but I was wilding out in the palladium, going there after my shift at key food. I would work at the supermarket. I swear to God, me and my homegirls would change into our slutty outfits in the meat freezer downstairs, and then we would leave the supermarket, take the Q train, go to 14th Street, and uh, party our asses off in the palladium. Can we hear your parents' love story? them because I'm like, how would I not turn out a DJ if y'all were like dancing on the dance floor and fell in love, and then you got married and like a year later had me like, oh my God. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> That's hilarious. You, I can't wait to have that talk with my sons. Like I have two <laughs> boys and they're very musical. Yeah. They're one more, like they are very musical, theatrical. I'm seeing it like manifest. Encourage it. Encourage it. Cause it's your fault. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I kind of love in the club. <laughs> Yo, son. You're like the future. I can't wait. Thank you for giving me a glimpse into the conversations I'm going to have with them. <laughs> Literally. I'm like, every time she decided to get mad, I'm just like, you should have gone and found your husband at the doctor's office. <laughs> oh, my goodness. A medical school of some sort. Open the library and look for a nigga. <laughs> the courthouse. <laughs> pull a lawyer. Palladium crush. Oh, my <laughs> Don't you like, oh, well, that's eye opening for me. Yo, okay, before we part, okay, so you mentioned one of my favorite artists of all time that you've collaborated with MIA. Like, whenever I need Mm -hmm. to, like, get into, like, when I hear her music, first of all, I could fight an army, like, I I could lift a car up. I feel that kind of energy from her music. Okay. Dang. I swear, a small car, like a Fiat. <laughs> okay. Play that shit for her. <laughs> like, yeah. But... I know. I didn't know like that was like her spinach. Do you listen to MIA? Do you listen to her music? No, yeah. I yeah. I know I, I do. I love it. She was the one for a minute. She had the throne. Yeah. Can we hear about your collaboration? What did you do well, with her? Um, it, it started out with her inviting me to open up a few dates. So I went to Canada and um, a few other places I can't recall. And then she had me like, you know, the opening set. And it was pretty mm-hmm. cool because as a DJ, you don't, if you don't have like a 30 minute or 45 minute live original music show, you don't really get that opportunity most times, you know, like mm. If you are touring with the artist, they might let you open up 15 minutes before their set, but they're not going to make their audience listen to a DJ for like 30 to 40 minutes before the set. Mm. So she was like, I fucks with you. Come open the set. So I went up there and I opened it. It was so good. And um, then after that, she hit me like a few months later. She was like, yo, I got a show tomorrow in Paris and I need a DJ. And I was oh, like, wow. Yeah. Yes. Like, you want me to come to Paris? I had never been to Paris before. I was like, this is... <laughs> At first, were you like, wait, you mean Paris? Is that like a new club somewhere in the city? <laughs> 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 I was 
like in Vegas, like which yeah, tower? right, 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 <laughs> right. Tower, sis. And then she was like, "No, it's Paris." She was like, "Can you come tomorrow?" And I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Do yes. you have a set? Like, should I learn the set?" And she was like, "No, I don't have a set. We need a set." And I was like, "Okay, book a studio." Oh. I was like, "So, so who do you have over there? Do you have an engineer you like? Do you have a producer?" She's like. Uh, one of the producers for one of my new singles is there. Can we use him? And I was like, yeah, get him in the studio. We'll like use him as the engineer and I'll help you put together the set with my DJ ear. We'll take a little bit of everything that you've ever put out, you know, because you have to go through the albums basically and figure out, okay, these are the singles. These are going to be the transitions. What songs do we have to play? What are the new songs that we have to insert into this? Where do we put them? Do we put them at the beginning, at the end? You know, because people don't know the lyrics yet to the new songs. I didn't even know the lyrics to the songs because mm. I'm a fan. I didn't know the lyrics to sing backup. Wow. So we oh, get there, oh. we land, we take an overnight flight. Obviously, I'm in economy. She's in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, MIA, could you pass me a hot cookie at Hello. least? <laughs> we land, we get there like at nine o'clock in the morning. We go right to the studio. We make a set. And this is Balenciaga um, Palais de Tokyo, like the biggest venue, like for fashion, for like art in the whole of Paris, you know, because Paris it. has like, you know, obviously it's Paris, it has a lot of beautiful things, but then it has like some landmarks, like how, you know, we have St. Patrick's Church Cathedral, mm. like, like we have, you know, Rockefeller Center, like that's like one of their major things. So I was like, fuck, we're about to DJ like for like 500 of the most elite people in the world because wow. that's that's that week is like the 500 elite fashion people and and who's who's comes to paris and they party and they go to shows so we do the set and i'm up there and i'm like yo i don't know these lyrics i was like let me just pull them up on my cell phone i'm over there like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it was so sick just to start like that because i was like I can't get it wrong because she needed a favor out of me. And I said, all right, let's make a plan. Let's get it done. Boom. And from there, we worked for about two years. And um, we would develop sets anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half. I was bringing in stems from different DJs that I work with and producers. We were making remixes for her songs, new transition bridges. We were giving life to like old wow. songs because she was about 10 years in at that point. So a lot oh. of the stuff that, you know, even I grew up on maybe when I was like, in high school, it was a little bit outdated in a way. You know what I'm saying? You have to give it like a remix vibe in order to get the audience who's been coming to these shows for like a decade to like stay in, in excited. So it was a really good experience. I'm not gonna lie. I got to play for like, you know, anywhere from like 20,000 people to like 500 of the most spectacular people. So it's like on any given day, the experience was like, the full spectrum you know what i mean like we did we flew to brazil and we did shows for carl lagerfeld rest in peace when he was alive you know what i mean for chanel we did you know festivals all over america in south america we went to argentina we i mean it was bomb we even did stephen colbert together like love it on all these kids you know like now they're engaging a lot of the younger artists but at that time you had to be in the system you know so it was bomb because i never would have had those opportunities as a dj you know what i'm saying well, Venus, I have to compliment you for bringing to life and adding color for how multidimensional DJing can be. And I think you're going to inspire a lot of artists out there that maybe see the facade of DJing, but now understand what you can do with it on your own.
just, you know, by honing in on your craft. No, if anything that anybody's out there listening takes from this, just don't do what everybody else is doing. Like it is the easiest thing to stay local and play the same 40 songs everybody else is playing. That's it. Just I do love it. Else. You know what I'm saying? Go out of your way and build new communities and just take those risks because boy, I'm young and, and the last 10 years have been insane. And like, mm. I couldn't have planned it. I didn't have management. I didn't have agents. I didn't have anything. It just happened organically. And I would just, I wouldn't even know how to recreate it right now. You know? That's so. the best story ever, that organic goodness. Guys, Thank you for sharing and tell everybody where they could follow you, please drop your socials. Please follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is VenusX just like the planet um you can follow me on twitter as well venus xgg and look out for the youtube it's actually starting this month and um i have a new series that i'm starting on there it's a music tv series we'll oh. yes wow we're hoping that it gets picked up but we're gonna start it on youtube um and yeah i'm really excited for the future you know let us know when you're ready to promote that full blast. You know, you have friends here now. So just Thank let us know how guys. we could, you know, help with your messaging. One time for Venus X, people. Come on, son. Come on, son. I got my dance first no ink second. You, no matter what they tell you, just remember Latinos are absolutely influencing the culture, not just Latin culture, all the cultures. So yeah. If you guys don't know, just do a little research and see what I've been a part of. And please be proud of your culture and your heritage because we are absolutely essential from the beginning of hip hop all the way through 2021. We're here. So oh. well said, Venus. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Mama. Oh. Thank you, guys. Thank you. There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit Toyota. Toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more.